expertly read through your mask as well. Should give them, I'm sure he gets extra points for that. So here we are, third Sunday of Advent. Um, I was saying, I think to Fiona a bit earlier, I said, you know, we better get ready because um, in two weeks' time from today, it's all over, isn't it? It's like Boxing, boxing Day, I think, two weeks' time. Um, so uh, it'll be gone. I'm sure you're ready. You're ready. So as I say, we've been looking at these songs of Advent. The first two, this, this third one is, is very much Mary's song. And uh, it's sort of known for the musical sort of things as the Magnificat, this, this song of just glorifying, magnifying the Lord, as it were. But there's a whole story that goes before it. And it's this story that I want us to look at a bit this morning. Because you know, Mary's on another journey. You know, we think of the journeys as you know, down to Bethlehem or whatever. But this is another journey. And I've, it's also an inner journey for Mary. Mary changes in this journey from where she is when she starts to where she is at the end. She's moved. And it's that inner journey I think we can also identify with you know, as we move ourselves, as it were. So the, the theme is, is around... Um, is that, great, thank you, Ian. Is this movement of Mary's between, from anxiety to adoration or worship. And um, I, I think, you know, this must have been a real roller coaster for her. It wasn't just a, oh, I'm feeling a bit low and now I'm feeling better. You know, you know she went through significant... You know, the Bible says she was greatly troubled... Right? So, I mean, she was not happy, greatly troubled. You know, there's a sense of fear, anxiety, worry, you know, real worry. You know, and I'm sure we can all identify with that at different times in our lives. And I, and I felt this was an appropriate reading as well for just the year we've had. You know, this COVID that just doesn't seem to want to be, go away. You know. It just seems to want to rattle around again and again. And I think how we approach things like a pandemic, which is a significant issue for a society, you know, is also quite relevant. You know, how do we approach it as God's people? Is it just the same as the rest of the world? Or is it different? I'm sure if you look back over, think of the last 12, 15, 18 months, you can remember times where anxiety and worry has been very much part of your life too. And I think in just recognising the sort of society we live in now, we live in a society, I think, which is much more anxious than it was, frankly, two years ago. People are living with anxiety, even when it's not explicit. So, as I say, you know, as Christians, as, as followers of Jesus, you know, we are as prone to anxiety as anybody else. We're not immune, all right? But I do think how we respond to it is different, or can be different, if we choose it to be different. We don't, again, always respond differently either. And again, looking at the reading, it'd be very easy to, to, to spend our time this morning just looking at the, the song of joy at the end, because that's a good bit, isn't it? Yeah. But as I say, we just, I think we need to recognise this journey, recognise that it is a, is a movement from anxiety to joy, uh, but to recognise we can also share in that as well. And I think just to be honest as well to start with, you know, when we do individually feel anxious, and I know there's some people here today who've got good cause to feel anxious, um, sometimes the last thing we can feel like doing is worshipping God. And yet that's, that's the journey this scripture lead, seems to lead Mary on. Sometimes when we're faced with significant challenges in our lives, 
we often very quickly turn to our own very limited resources because we think somehow we can fix them. Rather than doing what scripture counsels us to do again and again and again and again and again, which is to seek the strength of the Lord in the situation. The Psalm 28 verse 7, the Lord is my strength, the psalmist says. The Lord is my shield and my heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. And these are words that Mary echoes in some forms uh, later in our story. But to start with, I'm just going to break this down into three little things. And it's done, oh, actually, not like that, I'm not. Other way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing the forward button. No, no, that's the key. I'll let Ian take over now. Lovely. I'm going to... I have had both. Look, 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 I need your witness. Maybe put the baptism back to front and it's working back to front. Yeah, don't worry. Well, if, in, if you could drive for me, that'd be great. Thank you. Uh, four A's for you to remember this morning. Um, the first you've already heard, anxiety. But then within Mary's journey, she comes to a point of acceptance. And then she moves on from there to the adoration or worship. And at the end, I've also thought about that. How do we apply it? So that's the fourth A, application. Do we just listen to the story or do we actually identify with it and apply its learning? So four A's for you to remember this morning. And that brings us on to the next slide. Okay. So I'm going to start back at the beginning of this story that was read to us in two pieces by Lynn and by Brian. Um, and we read that the angel Gabriel appears to before Mary... A virgin, we're told, pledged to a man to be married, um, a descendant of Joseph. And when he does so, uh, we read in the scriptures the following. The angel said so, greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel then said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. Now Gabriel brings tremendous news, good, good news. But Mary is actually quite overawed by this greeting. Now, we don't know if, it's, if Gabriel was there in all his glory and that's what she is overawed about, or we don't know if she was overawed by the message that Gabriel delivered. There's times in Scripture where, good, where angels appear as just people. Okay? They're almost hard to d discern between. All right? We don't know if it's a message or in Gabriel's presence. Maybe it was both. This, this, this greeting, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Now God's presence sounds terrific in one sense. But let's be honest, the possible implications of God being present are really quite scary if we take them seriously. Here's Mary, a young woman, soon to be married, married to a simple carpenter, Joseph. She was someone who, for all other intents and purposes, would have been considered a bit of a nobody, another person. This would have been the last thing in the world 
that she would have anticipated. She would never have considered herself significant enough to have attracted the attention of anybody important, let alone the attention of God Almighty. And yet here, just right at the beginning, we're reminded once again that God Almighty is mindful of all life and of all people from the very least to the greatest. But it does seem to me as I read that <coughs> scripture, <coughs> excuse me, that the promise of God to be with Mary is not necessarily straight away a source of great comfort to her. Like us, when we're faced with the unknown, even when that unknown comes to us from God, our initial reaction can be more one of anxiety than of joy. And Luke clearly records, doesn't he, that Mary was greatly troubled, both by the angel, but I think also by the message, the promise of God's presence being with her, and by all the uncertainty of the future from that, what that might mean. I think Mary was experiencing what is, the scriptures often referred to as a fear of the Lord, a very proper human response to the awesomeness of God's attention. Such awe puts God into a more right perspective and checks any tendency we might have to be too familiar. There's a little phrase, isn't it? God Almighty, not God Almighty. And again, this fear of the Lord, you know, the scriptures again tell us in numerous places, but Proverbs 9 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So seeing Mary's anxiety, Gabriel seeks to assure her. And he says to her, you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. But the news is still overwhelming. And Mary, I think maybe more speaking out of her anxiety, seems to reply telling Gabriel that he's just got it wrong. He must be mistaken. How will this be, Mary asks, for I am a virgin. And the angel replies to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I imagine Mary would have found it still very hard to grasp what the angel was saying, what this might mean. Maybe she was given some inner insight, we don't know. But it seems that Mary being, sorry, it seems that Gabriel being aware of the confusion in Mary and the fear in Mary now goes on in the story to give her a more down-to-earth proof that he is speaking the truth. And that's where he goes on to says, even Elizabeth, your, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. The news that Elizabeth, a relative of Mary's, who's been barren all her life, was now bearing a child. It's almost as though Gabriel is saying, if you're struggling, struggling to understand, to trust in the divine action of God in you in relation to your son-to-be, Jesus, then here is something more down-to-earth for you to relate to. And it's also a reminder from Gabriel that nothing 
nothing is impossible for God. And this seems to be the word that finally for Mary, she finds herself able to, as it were, stand in and trust in, as she then responds, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. Mary's simple words of acceptance are not based on any great clarity of understanding about what the future holds. It's still all very uncertain. In many ways, she's still very much in the dark. But something in that exchange has given her a firm place to stand. Somewhere where she could face an uncertain future with confidence and with peace. Paul talks, doesn't he? He talks about that peace that surpasses understanding. You know, we, 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 we hate the unknown because we want to understand it, to allay our fears. But the scriptures say, no. No, sometimes we need, we need to recognize what we don't know and the unknown. But actually we allay our fears by trusting in God and the God, the sovereign God within it. It's a peace that surpasses understanding and allows people to say, God's will be done. So Mary's move from anxiety to acceptance is a simple act of faith. But that acceptance is an important step on her inner journey to worship, to adoration. Her recognition that the God who is with her is awesome and rightly to be feared, but he is also a God for whom nothing is impossible. And that means he can be completely trusted by us. We can trust all that we are to him. Mary takes this first step in her journey out of anxiety by trusting that the Lord is God and beside him there is no other. That's Deuteronomy 4.35. She doesn't look to herself anymore for the answers. She doesn't look to others particularly for the answers either. She looks to God. She trusts him. She still doesn't really know what the future will hold, but she allows her trust in who she understands God to be to outshine her worldly ignorance and fear. So like Mary, before we can move from anxiety to worship to adoration, we do need to remind ourselves who God is, that God is good, that God is just, that God is loving, so that once more we might affirm our trust in him. The psalmist, again, 18 and verse 31, for who is God beside the Lord? Who is the rock except our God? That place we can stand and be secure in. Just click on one more if you could. No, that's no problem, no problem. No. Uh, that is the right one. So the story moves on. <clears throat> and now we're just looking a bit more at the you know, Mary moving from anxiety to acceptance to distrust in God and his sovereignty. And we're now looking from that step to worship. So the angel is gone. Mary goes and visits this, her relative, Elizabeth. I imagine one of the things she's doing, by the way, is she wants to see if the angel's words to her are true. So she's going to visit that relative. And she gets there. And she finds this Elizabeth is really six months pregnant. 
But Mary doesn't just see the truth that this barren woman or really is carrying a child. But by the intervention of the Holy Spirit, we are told she was filled with the Holy Spirit so that even the baby in her womb leapt for joy. Mary had come, I think, to, in one sense to test the angel's words, but now she encounters a spirit-inspired greeting that she would not have anticipated. The Holy Spirit causes, as it were, a spirit of praise and worship to burst into the life of Elizabeth, and then it seems to flow across, into, across the two women. So Mary is also caught up and enters into a song of praise and worship. Her soul just praising God for who he is. Her nagging fears, her doubts, her worries, falling from her and lying in shreds on the floor at her feet. Verse 46, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So Mary her inner journey, as it were, has taken her from being deeply troubled at what she saw as a very uncertain future through this place of trust, of simple faith and recognition of who God is. Finally, through the Spirit's intervention, lifted up into worship. Mary's uncertainties still remain. There's much that she doesn't know but they are overshadowed by who she understands God to be. Which is why even with her troubles and worries, she can come in worship. The fears that initially seemed like they might consume her, now through this simple act of faith, of trusting God's word, it is these fears that are consumed instead. And the last one. So I think it's a lovely little story and it's, it just shows that story of a young woman journeying from being deeply troubled, greatly troubled, very anxious into a place of worship. And it's not a journey that didn't have some re very real challenges in it, but it's one in which Mary was ultimately willing to look to God rather than trusting in her own resources. Mary's Advent song is a song of trust. And I believe it remains instructed for us today as we also face times of anxiety and worry. The question I think it puts to us, though, is how do we handle anxiety when it arrives? Not if it arrives, when it arrives. I know in the last year we've had plenty of opportunities to find out the answer to that question. And for some, I know, that's been a learning process in itself, trusting in the Lord in times of uncertainty. I'm sure the year that lies ahead of us will contain its challenges too. Will we follow our natural inclination to seek our worldly shelters, our worldly comforts, or will we instead trust first in God and his word? There's nothing wrong with acknowledging our fears. 
The key question is, what do we do with them next? Where will we take them? I think Jesus answered that very much for us in this scripture, which I hope is behind me. Good. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Not I may, I will. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, I don't know which particular anxieties you come here this morning with. They may be, today may be a, not a very anxious day, but maybe it is. Maybe these anxieties are quite minor. Maybe they're quite major, even life-threatening. But whichever it is, whichever it is, I believe that God speaks through his word, through this Advent journey of Mary. And that journey ends in a place of joy and adoration. Mary's inner journey from anxiety to adoration is a journey we can all share in if we choose to. Fear and anxiety does not need to have the last word in the Christian life. Psalm 42. This refrain appears well, twice in Psalm 42 and once in Psalm 43. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? What does he say next, you know? Put your hope in God. Yes, absolutely. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. So before we come <clears throat> to share communion this morning, um, we're going to have a song um, which is uh, The Lord My Shepherd, I Will Trust in You. And it's just a way of us affirming our trust in God in the face of that very uncertain world. And COVID is not by any means our only problem, is it? Is it? All right. Because the Lord, I believe, would lead us from anxiety to adoration if we so choose to take up our cross and follow him but before we sing the song I'm just going to leave a little bit of silence I just want you to have a quiet word with God yourself and just think about where your anxiety is today right. and this may not apply to you personally but I can assure you I know it applies to quite a number of people here just think of where that is and in the silence come to God with it Give it to God. Just give it to God. I trust him. And that's what we're going to sing. That's the refrain. So I'm just going to leave a little bit of silence.